Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, folks. How many of you were sitting there early in the fourth quarter either at home watching on TV or at Beaver Stadium, thinking to yourself, Penn State's going to win this game. Oh, man, that was it was brutal the way things went from that point on. This is the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Corey Geiger. I'm doing this solo this week. No Jared Prugar. Lots to get to. Recapping really difficult loss to Ohio State. Uh, the quarterback situation, James Franklin, Penn State's place in the Big Ten, just a whole lot to get to. But first and foremost, I want to start by just asking you the question again, because with nine minutes and 26 seconds to go after Penn State took a 21-16 lead, I was sitting in the press box trying to figure out if Penn State was going to get to the college football playoff. <laughs> It's like, looking back on it here a few hours later, it's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Come on, this ain't happening. But with 9 minutes and 26 seconds to go, when Catron Allen scores for a 21-16 lead in the fourth quarter, Penn State was the better team at that point, okay? I'm not sure if everyone would agree with that, but statistically speaking, I mean, Penn State was the better team on the day, really, in most categories, except for turnovers, which we'll get to here in a bit. But with nine minutes and 26 seconds to go, I want to tell you something real quick to really kind of rub salt in the wound. So if Penn State would have beaten Ohio State and then Ohio State beats Michigan, there still could have been a very, very good shot. Penn State goes to the college football playoff. I spent that time out looking up tiebreaker scenarios. And just so you know, the weird tiebreaker scenarios include Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State's records against Big Ten West teams. Very unusual tiebreaker. As it turns out, Michigan probably would get would have gotten a tiebreaker if all three of them go to uh, 11 and 1. Michigan would have gotten the tiebreaker most likely and then gone to the Big Ten championship game, but still could have left a door open for Penn State to get to a college football playoff if the Big Ten gets two teams. Why am I telling you all this? Because it was at least in the back of my mind at 21 to 16 with the momentum of the game and the way Penn State's defense had been playing that Penn State had a chance to win that game and I look back on it because literally well literally 
35 seconds later, Ohio State had the lead. And it's like, <laughs> well, all that research I did looking up these damn tiebreakers, uh, that's out the window. And then Sean Clifford with the fumble, and Ohio State extends the lead, and that's your ball game. So I was surprised that Penn State was that close. I thought Penn State could keep this to be a game, but again, raise your hand if you're out there thinking that Penn State was going to lead this game with nine minutes to go. I, I can see through the podcast here into all your phones and computers, and nobody's raising your hand because if you are, you're lying. All right. Um, I think a lot of people maybe thought Penn State could keep this close because they played close against Ohio State uh, in, in a lot of the matchups. But to be up and quite, again, I'll say this for a second time to be the better team. Penn State was the better team when there was nine minutes and 26 seconds left. In the game. And then Ohio State really kicked it into gear and just crushed Penn State down the road, down the stretch. But that's, I I do feel for all you folks if you're a fan, because that's this Penn State relationship with Ohio State in a nutshell. I wrote this in my story here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Penn State's like the little brother. I know I'm going to bring up memories of Mike Hart calling Michigan State the little brother, and that did not work out well for Michigan. But Penn State is Ohio State's little brother. It, you know, if you have a little brother, he's just that nuisance kind of guy. You know, maybe if you're two or three years older than your little brother, and he he kind of bugs you a little bit, and he's pretty good at some things. And he might, if you're playing pickup hoops out in the out in the street, he might come pretty close. And then Big Brother's like, eh, that's enough of you. Here's five buckets in a row, and and you're finished. Or if you're playing football and little brother is kind of hanging around and you're like, okay, I'm going to kick it into gear. I don't have a little brother, but I have a, I have a son and he's getting good at sports. He's 10. He's, he's good at a lot of things. He's not good enough to beat me right now. But I, I tell him, when you get good enough to beat me, I'm going to kick it in another notch because I don't, you know, that's when the competitive juices kick in. And that's Ohio State here. Penn State is Ohio State's little brother. I mean, it, it just is. Uh, all these games that have been close, and then Big Brother finds a way to throw an elbow at the end. Little Brother goes to the floor. Big Brother ends up winning the fight or whatever. So I know it's got to be incredibly frustrating for a lot of Penn State fans because you've seen this movie so many times. In the last 21 meetings, Ohio State is 17-4 and four against Penn State. Yes, Tom Bahali had the strip sack on Troy Smith. Yes, Mark Rubin got the fumble for, from, that was in 05. Mark Rubin got the fumble for Terrell Pryor in 08. Uh, we all remember 2016 with the kick six. I mean, there have been some big, big wins over Ohio State. But quite frankly, just too many games like this uh, that Penn State's kind of there. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State kicks it in another notch and says, okay, enough of you. We're going to pull away. And that's, again, I, I, I'm i not a sports fan. I'm a sports writer. i got to write this no matter you know how I see it. If you are a Penn State fan, that's got to really suck. I, I have been a sports fan all my life, and I know how I feel when my team loses games like this because they toy with you. They're, they're just teasing you. Penn State teased you guys for three hours on Saturday, thinking like, wow, this is going to happen. <laughs> and... Oh, my God, 40, 28 points in the fourth quarter for Ohio State. Just uh, just crazy. All right, so 
I'm going to take a break here real quick. In the second segment, we're going to get into the Sean Clifford experience. And I'm going to tell you right now, they need to change quarterbacks moving forward. I'll get into all that coming up here in just a second. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I was late to this party, but I'll explain why. I will say right now, though, I think that Penn State needs to change quarterbacks and that Drew Aller needs to be the quarterback going forward. Some of you thought that a couple of weeks ago. I thought you guys were crazy for thinking that because there was no way that James Franklin was going to change quarterbacks with Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State coming up. It just wasn't going to happen. Whether you wanted it to or not, and you wanted to boo Sean Clifford at Beaver Stadium last week before Minnesota, it wasn't going to happen. There was too much at stake. And with 9 minutes and 26 seconds in the fourth quarter and Penn State holding a 21-16 lead, a college football playoff berth was still a possibility. It's no longer a possibility. A Big Ten title is no longer a possibility. A playoff berth is no longer a possibility. Now, I say it's time to switch quarterbacks and let Drew Aller take over going forward. Well, why am I saying that? This is the challenge for James Franklin. And this is really why I don't think he's going to make a quarterback switch. But where he's flawed as a coach. Yes, he's flawed in a lot of ways as a coach, but... Here's a, a, a very peculiar and interesting kind of flaw. The 1-0 mentality each week is a really smart mentality for a college football coach. You're dealing with 18- to 22-year-old kids and a 24-year-old sixth-year quarterback. But when you're dealing with those kind of kids, you have to keep everybody on an even keel. You have to make sure that they respect every opponent and they try to bring their, their best effort every game no matter who you're playing. Great opponent, weak opponent. Anybody in between. The one and no mentality does work. I, I do a, a, appreciate James Franklin and his consistency sticking with that. Here's where the one and no mentality for James Franklin is a problem. Sean Clifford, with Penn State going to Indiana next week, still probably gives Penn State a better chance to win than Drew Aller. If you disagree with that, okay, but just bear with me with my point, Okay. I believe Sean Clifford still gives them their best chance to win and to go 1-0. and But what difference does it make if they go 1-0 and next week? In the grand scheme of things. Well, it's a game, Gagger. You got to win the game. Well, no. I mean, at this stage, the way college football is now, I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, you go 10-2, and you go to a New Year's 6 game. Folks, what does a New Year's 6 game even mean anymore? Honestly, if you go 10-2 and two and go to the Orange Bowl, that's really cool until you have your seniors or your NFL draft-ready guys skip the game like Jahan Dotson did last year, like Kenny Pickett did for Pitt. So you see what I'm getting at. In, in, in this eight, day and age of college football, the bowl game is not a big enough nugget out there 
that you're striving for. All things being equal in the history of college football, yeah, you still want to go 10-2. and You still want to get to the Orange Bowl. My point with the 1-0 mentality is I think Sean Clifford probably gives them their best chance to go 10-2. and But to be honest with you, if they go 8-4, and but they get Drew Aller four starts, I think that's probably better. Now, again, anybody wants to disagree with that, that sounds crazy because sports are about winning the game in front of you. But there's no Big Ten championship to play for anymore. There's no playoff berth. Get Drew Aller the experience he needs so that he will be more ready next year. One, first of all. But also to make sure that he comes back next year. I was looking at the NFL draft rankings, and look, I know a lot of Penn State fans don't believe in Will Levis at all. You think it's a fluke, you think he's overrated, blah, blah, blah. Well, fine, whatever. Believe whatever you want to believe. But just know that mock drafts have him going in the top 10. Penn State's already lost one top 10 NFL draft pick quarterback, potentially, to the transfer portal because the coaches couldn't make the right decision in going with the more talented guy. You don't want to do that with Drew Aller here. You don't want to be so hell-bent on getting to 10-2 and and going to the Orange Bowl that you alienate Drew Aller and give him anything in the world to think about that he might want to leave. So it's a a dual-edged thing here. I'll ask all Penn State fans this. Right now... How big of a difference in in your mind would it be to go ten and two with Sean Clifford versus I'm I'm saying eight and four, but I, look, I think Penn State wins at least three of these next four games. Maybe they go maybe they go four and zero oh with Drew Aller. Maybe they could go ten and two with Drew Aller. I certainly think nine and three is possible. They could lose to Maryland. They could lose, I guess, to Indiana or Michigan State, depending on how some things go. Uh, I doubt it, but I think it's just more important to get Aller the experience. And you still have a chance to go nine and three, maybe even ten and two, and you move on from your sixth year quarterback. So I was reluctant to make that to make that call going into this three game series. I wanted to reevaluate after the three game series, and I figured they would lose to Michigan, and I figured they would lose to Ohio State, and we would be right here. Clifford played poorly to start with the two interceptions. The one was a batted ball on on the first interception. That's kind of some bad luck. The second one was. You know, kind of a bad read, didn't didn't get the ball there. But then the fumble, man, oh man, the fumble that he had when uh, they had just got, gone down in the fourth quarter, that's it, just brutal. And then he throws the pick six at Ohio State defender, Tui Maloa, how, I, I'm sure I'm butchering that, and he was phenomenal. But that's Clifford for you. I, I wrote that that game epitomized Sean Clifford's career because you'll get some good play. And he threw for 300 and what? 371 yards, three touchdowns, but also three interceptions and a fumble. He turned it over four times. That's the Sean Clifford experience. You get good Sean Clifford and you get bad Sean Clifford all in the same day. Good Sean Clifford and a, and a terrific defensive effort for three, three plus quarters had Penn State in position to win that game. Bad Sean Clifford and then the defense forgetting how to play leads to a point where Ohio State was up by 20 points. I know everybody is tired of seeing this with Clifford. Uh it's it's just it's we know what the, we know what he is. We know what he's not. 
But James Franklin had to stick with Clifford for this three-game stretch. And again, I'll go back to nine minutes and 26 seconds in the fourth quarter. If Penn State wins this game because they had the lead, we're talking about a potential college football playoff berth this year. And Sean Clifford as the starting quarterback. That's sports for you. He fumbles. Or actually, Ohio State gets a long touchdown, then Clifford fumbles, and then the game gets out of hand. And now we're talking about making a quarterback switch. I was kind of rooting for Clifford today that this could kind of be a legacy game for him if he beats Ohio State. Now maybe we start to think differently about his career. But that is not going to be the case. What we saw from Sean Clifford against Ohio State is what we've seen from Sean Clifford in his career. And this notion that we were ever going to see anything different in year in year six, be it in one game or for the course of a season or a Kenny Pickett type of year, I mean, wow, how how average is this guy? And, you know, Sean is a good guy. He's a good leader. He's handled himself extremely well and represented himself extremely well this season, including coming out and talking to the media after this game uh, on Saturday. But you've got to start looking to the future. And again, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. Even if you get to 10-2, and two, does 10-2 and two mean anything in college football today? 15 years ago? 30 years ago, sure, you're trying to get to the best bowl game you can. Well, yeah, they can still go to a New Year's. I'm telling you that getting Drew Aller four starts is more important than going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. I honestly believe that. I think most of you would probably be on board with that. Yes, getting to a New Year's Six game, you can use that as a recruiting nugget and all these things. But at this stage, you've got to get Aller the playing time. You've got to engage him to make sure that he comes back for next year. No qualms about it that he's a starter and you're not going to dangle around playing time and and now he's got to wonder how much he's going to play the final month. Um, It's all there. I think it's a much easier decision for James Franklin right now because of these, these elements that I've pointed out. But I really don't necessarily think James is going to do it because of his 1-0 and mentality. James Franklin, I believe in the back of his mind, maybe in the middle of his mind, maybe in the front of his mind, maybe there's no doubt in James Franklin mind, Franklin's mind whatsoever that Sean Clifford still gives them the best chance to go 1-0 each week. And so the 1-0 mentality is fine and it's it can help in a lot of ways, but Franklin cannot lose sight of the big picture here because he is so focused on beating Indiana next week, okay? You've got to make sure you you en- enhance the program over these final four regular season games and the bowl game. Not that you're you're going to do everything in your power to beat Indiana. Well, because they they might contra- they might contradict each other a little bit. Maybe maybe Drew Eller goes to Indiana and he's not necessarily ready and they lose. That might even be better, though, than playing Sean Clifford and winning. Because you've got to make sure you know what you've got with this young guy. And again, keep him involved as much as you can. So, I believe Franklin should start Drew Aller for these final four games. I do not believe Franklin will do that. Because James Franklin has issues as a head coach. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to get into those coming up in the third segment. 
Welcome back to our final segment here. I want to read to you a tweet from a guy whose handle is Sugar Sandwiches. He, he's a good tweeter. He follows me. He has a lot of good Penn State stuff. He goes, this should put to bed that we're not elite because of dorms and extra practice fields. We're not elite because the A won't play elite talent and B can't coach elite talent and put them in position to win a game like this. They can recruit, but that's putting lipstick on a pig. I think that is an excellent comment for this reason. When you ask James Franklin, we've done this really for more than a year now, and it's been the same kind of stock answer each time. When you ask James Franklin about the program and the future and how Penn State can succeed, this and that and the other, he doesn't talk about football. Not in, not in a, a, a true direct way of we've got to make sure we do this on the football field and this on the football field and these kind of plays and this kind of stop and the defense doesn't collapse in the fourth quarter and the quarterback doesn't turn the ball over and we're not playing six-year quarterbacks and we're not. Those aren't the answers for James Franklin. What James Franklin talks about when you ask him about improving the football team it is always this extra off-the-field stuff. It is this 365-day-a-year thing. It is getting the complete support of everybody. It's getting everybody on board. Now, look, he is correct in all of that. For Penn State to compete on the national level with everybody, they do have to have everybody on board. Pat Kraft, the Board of Trustees, Jay Paterno, which I don't know that's ever going to happen, people voting for, for money for... Look, all of that is true. James Franklin's not wrong here. But none of that cost Penn State the game against Ohio State. The fact, again, like this like this guy tweeted, this isn't about dorms and extra practice fields. This is about you have a 21-16 lead. You're the better team up to that point. There's nine minutes and 26 seconds to go in the game, and you're at home. And this is your season. And you blow it. It's not about dorms. It's not about 365 days a year. It's not about nutrition. It's not about smoothies. It's not about a nutrition bar or any of that stuff. It's about what happened with the football players on this team on October 29th, 2022, and the coaches on this team on October 29th, 2022, and they weren't up to the task. It's on them. Has nothing to do with 365 days a year and we got to have everybody on board. It has to do with the fact that James Franklin is a bad game day coach. It has to do with the fact that, remember 3520 at Columbus with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and they blow it 3928 or 3938 in 2017? For whatever reason, when James Franklin goes up against these big boys, and certainly Ohio State, he's exposed. He's exposed. James Franklin, I'm going to say something a lot of you are going to hate to hear. He's a good college coach. You don't have a team be leading the number two team in the country with nine and a half minutes to go unless you're doing a lot of good things. So let's back off a little bit of Franklin is terrible. That's not true. He is a great CEO and all of those things, and he is a good football coach. 
But this notion of trying to finish off games when when you've got you're going up against a terrific opponent and a great coach in Ryan Day, this is where James Franklin comes up small. He he gets exposed in these situations. And now look, this really snowballed uh, in a hurry. And not all of it's James Franklin's fault, but Manny Diaz had the defense playing great, and all of a sudden Ohio State goes right down the field in 35 seconds. Well, what the hell was that? And then Sean Clifford fumbles, and then the very next play, Ohio State scores on a 24-yard touchdown pass. Penn Penn State's defense had played great until that. And I know Clifford put the defense in a lot of uh, tough situations, sudden change situations with the turnovers. But... This is just one of those situations where Penn State comes up small. James Franklin came up small. Sean Clifford came up small. Manny Diaz came up small. I thought Mike Yersich actually had a pretty good game, uh, calling plays, formation schemes. I, I give Mike Yersich credit for, for the way things played out in this game, the offensive coordinator. But this is the problem people have with James Franklin. He's not good enough to get over the hump. Now, how many coaches are, hey, Ryan Day is one of the handful of best coaches in the country. This gets us back to the 10-year contract extension, the $85 million, and all of that. Somebody else tweeted at me that, no, this was a comment from uh, one of the posters at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. But it was basically, uh, it was basically about how this guy can't separate James Franklin's contract from the way he views or analyzes the coach. And I, I do think it's a valid point. Uh, and I'll get to it here. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I can't find it, so I, I'm not going to – I don't waste anybody's time. But basically what the guy was saying, hey, what does 10-2 and two mean when you lose to Ohio State and Michigan? You're, you're going to pay somebody $85 million – to lose your two biggest games every year? Well, yeah. I mean, that's 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 where Penn State is. James Franklin's a good coach. They might go 10-2 and two or 9-3, and three, and you might look and say, okay, that's a good season. Well, is it? You got blown out by Michigan, and you, you completely blew the fourth quarter at home against Ohio State. So there's a lot, there's a lot of gray area there, and that is... That's the, in a nutshell, is why I think so many people get frustrated with James Franklin. It's just, it's, it's hard to sit there and watch a game like that and see how Penn State can have the the better team. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State kicks it into gear like Big Brother and just shoes away Little Brother and scores 28 points in the fourth quarter. That's not about dorms. That's not about, uh, the nutrition bar. That's not about smoothies and everything. That is about your guys failed during the game when the game was on the line. And so that's, I just, every time Franklin brings this up, and he's brought it up, I, I, I got to say 10 times in the last year or so. Uh, 365 days, we need all this support. Look, James, the Penn State fan base wants to support you, man. They they do. You got to win this kind of game. That that's the bottom. You because what what James Franklin wants is unconditional love. 
He wants unconditional love and support. If you're a parent out there, you you love your child unconditionally. Even if you're a knucklehead kid, and my kids do this too, they make a mistake and, and, and you want to get mad at them, but you still love them unconditionally. James Franklin wants your unconditional love, and he hasn't earned it. First of all, he's not, a, he's not your child, so that it's hard to love anybody unconditionally. But when you lose to Ohio State eight out of nine years, and the one year you beat them was on a miracle— the thing that he wants the most, this full 365 support from everybody, I'm not sure he's ever going to get that because just like a lot of you fans doubt that he can ever get the job done, there are probably decision makers at Penn State that doubt he could get the job done. Well, except for Sandy Barber, she's no longer there. She's the one that gave him the 10-year contract. And so this is just what we're going to deal with for 10 years. And he, I, I, I just get the feeling he's going to keep saying this 365-day year thing, 365-day year thing. We need all the support. We need all this. Okay, don't blow a 21-16 lead when you're the best, better team that, uh, that day with nine minutes to go at home. You, you can't have it both ways. He cannot get unconditional love when he loses the biggest games of the year after going 11-11. So, so look, Penn State can still go 10-2. and two. I'm going to get back to my Clifford thing here in an hour. Penn State can still go 10-2. and two. Will it mean anything? Will it, will, it, will it mean much of anything? They haven't beaten a ranked team this year. If they go 10-2, and two, they will not have beaten a ranked team because I don't think there's anybody on the schedule uh, left. I don't think there's anybody, I don't know, anybody can, get, can get ranked at all for a game. So does 10 and 2 with those two losses the way they lost to Michigan and Ohio State would they mean a whole lot? So again, play Aller, get the job done there. Uh Maryland is 6 and 2. I guess Maryland could be ranked here in a couple of weeks. That that could be a, a chance for a win over a ranked team. So hey folks, I feel for you, man. I really do. Um, I kind of let myself believe, because I was in stunned disbelief. I thought Penn State could play close. I didn't think they, they would win the game. But I found myself in stunned disbelief, just like a lot of you. If you were at the stadium or watching on TV, up 21-16, you're like, this is going to happen. Uh, no, it's not. 35 seconds later, now you're losing. Another minute later, now you're down two scores. Ball game. Little brother kicked out of the room by big brother. And that's the Penn State-Ohio State relationship. Folks, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I wish we had more good news or anything to talk about. Penn State did a lot of good things in this game. But, uh, man, oh, man. just That's like getting kicked in the teeth. So, we're going to see. Big story this week, once again, will be the quarterback situation. We'll follow it. I'm saying you got to start Drew Aller going forward. I doubt James Franklin will do that because of his one and O mentality. We will find out. Thanks for tuning in, folks, to the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Yeah.